on the virtual Bible stage tonight. We want to talk about doctors. Well, been a lot of talk about medical issues in recent yeah. months and weeks. And I got to thinking, you know, maybe we assume something about going to the doctor, about taking medicine. You know, not everybody agrees about that. Yep. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And so I uh, thought maybe we'd look to the Bible and ask the simple question, is it a sin to take medicine or consult a doctor? Maybe it shows we don't have faith, huh? Or, well, what do people think about that? Let's well, see. Let's talk about it. Uh, so get ready to take your med. Well, maybe not take your medicine. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you, welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Summer's just about over. Yep. We've, we've made it through the worst of the heat of the summer, and before we know it, we'll be complaining about it being cold, but time flies when good, you're having fun. Good to be with you tonight. It's been two weeks since you've been in that seat. Yeah, and you weren't here last week, so somebody said last night, because I think Eric, our buddy Eric, mentioned, he said, we'll have the, the whole team back together. It's been three weeks, so we almost have to be retrained at our jobs. Not here. Kyle. He's been here nonstop. Yeah, Kyle knows yeah. what he's Kyle, doing. Glad to have you here tonight. It's good to be here. Good to be back with you as well, and the um, miss seeing the top part of your forehead there <laughs> over the board. Um, and uh, we're glad that you're here on the program with us tonight. Look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com on this important topic tonight. Get on our email update list. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, add me to your list. Uh, if you want a bumper sticker, send us an email with your snail mail U.S. postage address in it, and we'll send you a, a uh, bumper sticker to help get the word out. Share with your friends on Facebook. We're we can get the word out real easily if everybody just, you know, likes and passes on and shares information about the virtual Bible study via social media. Uh, you know, we complain a lot about, I do especially complain a lot about social media, but there are some uh, good things that can be accomplished with it, so do that. Do it. All right. All right. On to the topic tonight. All right. So earlier today to our update list, we sent out these questions. Can you find one and two are just the opposites of one another? Can you find anything in the Bible that would condemn doctors and or medicine? Number two, can you find anything in the Bible that would endorse seeking help from doctors and or medicine? Number three, is it wrong to take potentially addictive drugs? And is that a a hard and fast yes or no? Or could there be in-between ground on that question? We'll talk about that. Number four, what would be the proper way to view doctor-assisted suicide? You know, that's more in the news. It's, it's kind of been tamped down with a lot of the other news that's going around, but that's that's a, a big thing. And there, there are some places in the country where they have legalized doctor-assisted suicide. My guess is that that will probably expand, that more, there'll be more of that. Uh, so what would... How should we view that from a biblical perspective? And then number five, and I put this on there because it's always been an issue that sort of troubles me personally. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever heard it openly discussed among Christians. And I'd just like to get everybody's feedback on it. Is it sinful for a man to be attended by a female doctor or nurse and vice versa? Is it a sin for a woman to be attended by a male doctor or nurse? Uh, you know, we shouldn't just stick our head in the sand and say, well, you know, you know of course it's okay. I mean, I mean, it's always been that way. Well, maybe not. <laughs> and so, and, and I don't know. I don't know that I have the great answer to that. I, I'm going to tell you right up front when we get to that. I'm, I'm, don't you, run, the, run the, the suspense here for us. Well, you can push me around on that question, but I okay. have an opinion, but I, I want to see what others have to say, too. All right. We'll, we'll look forward to hearing from you again. If you haven't signed in the chat room, sign in there and share your thoughts. Uh, we want to, we want to hear from you tonight. All right. Okay. 
right. Uh, before we really ask the question about taking medicine or consulting uh, uh, a doctor, we should point out that there are some religious groups that think it's wrong to do so. Um, probably the religious group that very first comes to mind is the Christian Science religion, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're and and they don't use doctors, they don't take medicines, and they think that it's really wrong to do so. I'm I'm not totally up on all that they teach about that, but I understand that that there, there's their practice. There are some religious groups that oppose at least certain kinds of medical procedures. For instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't think you can take a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. Um, every once in a while in the news, you'll hear about some parents who had a sick child and they refused to allow the child to be attended with, with by doctors to take any kinds of medicine. Some, some of those parents have been arrested. Some of them had their children taken from them and so forth. Uh, some have been forced to use medicines and so forth that they didn't conscientiously want to do so. So what, we're, what I'm, I'm just bringing that up to say this is not just a, an open and shut question. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there, there are those who have religious conscience and there are issues about it. Um, and so I think really bottom line in, in all of that is the idea that treating physical ailments with anything other than faith and prayer uh, shows a lack of faith. And that, that lack of faith is in itself sinful. Uh, so, again, you got the big well-known religious denominations. I think you probably got a lot more of smaller independent groups who who take those kind of views. And I would say right up front, I, I'm willing to concede these people, they're not doing that ingenuously. They're sincere about that. They really think that that's the way it should be. But I'm convinced that they're wrong about that. And we want to look to the Bible. All right. So um, our listeners have been fairly brief on the program tonight. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, answered no. There's nothing that would condemn it. Dwight and Michelle just sent in four question marks, so they don't see anything in the Bible that would condemn it. And Mohan says there's nothing in the Bible that would prohibit that. So um, what do you say? All right. Uh, first of all, I would, I would say, yes, let's pray. Yes, let's have faith that God answers prayer, even, even about physical ailments and so forth. So uh, I do think we should have faith and pray. But, uh, you know, the idea that uh, physicians are spoken of favorably in the Bible, I think, is an argument. First of all, I agree with those emailers who said there's no condemnation found in the Bible. I, I can't find anything in the Bible I mean, I just draw a blank. If someone said, find a place in the Bible that says you shouldn't take medicine, find a place in the Bible that says you shouldn't go to the doctor, I would just draw a blank. I can't do that. I can't find such a place. But you got to be careful. And we, we would not want to make the argument, it doesn't say not to. Right. <laughs> you know, we, we condemn folks on, on some other religious questions and say, well, it doesn't say not to, you know. Uh, just because it doesn't say not to doesn't mean it's necessarily a, a good thing. But I think there's some things we can go to in the scriptures that would tend to point out that it is not condemned. For instance, uh, the law of Moses in the Old Testament, or the law itself reflected certain principles of conduct that were designed to protect health. Uh, there was a guy named Dr. R.V. Bingham who wrote a book called The Bible and the Body. Uh, and he he pointed out in the Law of Moses, I've written down here in my notes, six laws in the Law of Moses uh, that were designed to protect physical health. He mentioned sanitation, sterilization, quarantine, hygiene and dietetics, and recuperation as principles that are embedded within the law of Moses. 
Well, what that would indicate then is it was more than faith and prayer for the children of Israel under the law of Moses. Uh, they were actions that they were directed to take that were designed to protect their health. A lot of people think that, um, for instance, uh, the prohibitions on eating certain kinds of foods, the dietary laws, might, might be used as an example, you know, clean and unclean meats. And we we, often, we 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 probably way oversimplify that. It's a, it's a little more detailed than this, but we we often explain. For instance, clean meats and for an animal to be a clean animal that could be eaten, it had to have a cloven hoof and chew the cud, which would make, for instance, cattle, cows. You could eat a cow. You could you could eat like a deer or a gazelle, I suppose, or those kind of animals. But you couldn't eat a pig. A pig has a cloven hoof, but he doesn't chew the cud. Pigs were are well known uh, as unclean animals under mm-hmm. the law of Moses. Well, we know now, although I'm not sure they knew. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely positive that God knew. And we now know, although I doubt that the people back in that time understood that pigs have a pretty good capacity to convey disease and parasites Deadly parasites. Uh, that's much under control now, and there's no danger for eating. Typically, there's not a danger in eating pork today, but there was back then. And a lot of people have pointed to that and said, well, see, God had principles embedded in his law to protect them and their physical health. Uh, when it came to fish, a fish had to have fins and scales. You, you couldn't eat a fish that didn't have scales. Well, a catfish, for instance, doesn't have scales. We like to eat catfish today, but even today, and we know today that if water is contaminated and polluted, bottom feeders like catfish are going to have that pollutant in their in their meat, and it's dangerous to eat them. We know there 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 are places where they'll even have signs posted: "Do not eat catfish from these waters." Yeah. They didn't know they didn't know why back then, but God did, and so God incorporated principles in His law that would protect them, and, and so uh, I'm just you know a, a, uh, an Israelite of old couldn't say I'm going to eat catfish and I'm just trusting God to He'll protect take care me. Of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, uh, and, and so again, uh, I, I think we can look to the law of Moses and see that there. There were there were principles set forth designed to protect health. So taking such measures to protect our health, to guard our health, have sort of been all through time in God's dealing with men. Now, beyond that, and this would this would also incorporate our second question: Is there anything in the Bible that would not? No, we can't find anything that condemns the use of doctors and medicines. What was there anything that would endorse or condone that? Uh, in other words, is there any? Could you look to the Bible and, and see uh, anything favorable? Well, first of all, the Bible mentions products used for medicinal purposes. Uh, a preacher friend of mine, an older fellow, uh, Bill Cruz, a really good author. I often use bulletin articles from Bill Cruz. I really like Bill Cruz's writing. And he, he put together a list. He said people used various medicines without really, without it ever being called sinful. And then he wrote this list. See if, see if any of these names ring a bell from your Bible read. Aloe, anise, balm of Gilead. Caperberry, cumin, figs, fitches, gall, mandrake, myrrh, ointment, uh, ointment, olive oil, rue, saffron, and wine. He mentioned he 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 could identify each of those things in the scripture being used. Well, those are natural remedies. In other words, they haven't been produced by some big pharmaceutical company, <laughs> but those those were those were natural elements with therapeutic uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean even some of some of the well-known things we for instance aspirin we t- you know we've we've relied on aspirin and they still talk about the the kind of incredible therapeutic benefits of common aspirin it's been around for you know in our lifetimes forever. 
that that is derived from natural sources. And so, uh, again, the Bible mentions products used for medicinal purposes. Okay. Have we got anything? Any of our emails? Did any of well, our emailers mention any of that? Uh, yeah, they did. They did. Um, uh, Kent said, "Yes, biblical principles that authorize sustaining human life authorize such." Paul deals with this type of situations in First Timothy five twenty three, where Timothy was told to take a little wine for his stomach's sake. Again, that's one of those places. Yeah. 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 Uh, how about this? How about Jesus? You know, you talk about does the Bible endorse seeking help from doctors? Jesus endorsed seeking help from doctors. Luke five thirty one. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, sick, sick people need physicians. Jesus, Jesus said so. He acknowledged that as a reality. He didn't say they do it, but they shouldn't do it. Yeah, they have no faith. Come <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. No, he did that. And then we got to think about uh, Luke. He was referred to. And and, um, and, uh, and Dwight and Michelle mentioned this. The book of Colossians say that Luke was a physician. Not only was he a physician, he was a beloved physician. Now, let's put some type of sinful occupation in there and see if that makes sense for Paul to write. Luke, the beloved swindler, or Luke, the beloved... Uh, Bank robber. Yeah, moonshiner. Yeah. No, that, 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 wouldn't, that wouldn't fit. I, I, had that same, uh, I had that same note, uh, as, as Dwight and Michelle mentioned, Colossians 4.14, Luke, the beloved physician. But what's interesting, get, get the timing on that. that. That statement by Paul comes at least 10 years after Luke is first mentioned uh, as being a part of Paul's traveling company in Acts chapter 16, verse 10. So I want to know how long Luke's been a Christian, but it's been more than 10 years because he joins Paul's traveling company on the second missionary journey in Luke 16. Colossians was written at least 10 years after that. And so... You know, if if being a doctor was a sinful thing, Paul would say, you know, here's Luke and we love him. Thankfully, he gave up that crazy business about being a doctor when he the had no former faith. Position. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the former, former the converted position. Position. <laughs> the converted doctor, <laughs> yeah. uh, Luke. No, still 10 years after, uh, at least, we know, it probably could be longer than that, but at least 10 years after we read of Luke's faithful service as a Christian, he's still identified as the beloved physician. Uh, Rick in the chat room references Matthew five or seven verse twelve and Luke five thirty one. They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. These words of Jesus, Rick says, are true spiritually because they are true physically. Jesus uses the physical truth to emphasize a spiritual truth. Yeah, appreciate that, Rick. Yeah. Uh, let's get a quick break and we'll get some more thoughts from the chat room and we'll get your thoughts as well and. Uh, and we'll see what our listeners have to say on this subject. Should we, uh, does the Bible endorse taking medicine or seeking help from doctors? Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Jerry Fralix. I'm a member of uh, College of the Church of Christ here in Columbia, Tennessee, and I have a few words to say. Occasionally, we hear parents who say that they don't want to force religion on their children. These misguided folks think they're doing their kids a favor by letting them decide for themselves. They're afraid that there will be some resentment in their children later if religion had been crammed down their throats. If we may be absolutely blunt in response, that is one of the most ridiculous ideas anyone ever suggested. We force many things on our children. We insist that they bathe, brush their teeth, change their clothes, etc. We cram education down their throats by making them attend school regularly. We demand that they do their homework. We force them to eat good food, get adequate rest, and do other things that are important to their health and development. We do all of this because we know it is in their best interest, and we do it even when the kids don't like it. Why is it this such a common sense approach is neglected by parents who are determined to let the kids decide for themselves when it comes to religion? Dr. James Dobson writes, There's a critical period when certain kinds of instruction are easier in the life of children. There is a brief period during childhood when youngsters are vulnerable to religious training. Their concepts of right and wrong are formulated during this time, and their views of God begin to solidify. The opportunity of that period must be seized when it is available. The absence or misapplication of instruction through that prime time period may place a severe limitation on the depths of the child's later devotion to God. When parents withhold indoctrination from their small children, allowing them to decide for themselves, the adults are almost guaranteeing that the youngsters will decide in the negative. God's Word has always taught us the truth on the subject. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6. Here's some quotes worth pondering. 
We are each responsible for our own life. No other person is or even can be. Blessed are those who can give without remembering and take without forgetting. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight as we talk about doctors and medicine. What do the scriptures say? Eric in the chat room references a New York Times article from 2010 where it says the Christian science leaders, you mentioned the Christian science religion, where they don't believe in any medicine or doctors. They have uh, softened their stance a little bit here. It says the Christian science leaders uh, have recently found a new tolerance for medical care. For more than a year, leaders say they have been encouraging members to see a physician if they feel it is necessary. They have begun a public campaign to redefine their methods as a form of care that the broader public should consider as a supplement rather than a substitute for conventional treatment like biofeedback, chiropractic, and homeopathic care. Okay, that's so, interesting. They're kind of have, you know, I, I, I've, I've known people who are Christian science and they're good, sincere people, but I've always thought it's such a self-defeating religion because if if getting sick... You know, and having physical infirmities indicate I lack faith, then really everybody's is an ultimate failure because they're when all they, going to get sick when they and need die. The, their faith the most. Yeah, right. At the and, end. and so if if if, a lot, if when your body gets sick, it indicates that you're not doing something right spiritually. In the end result, everybody fails at that religion because everybody Jesus, I mean, or uh, the Hebrew writer said Hebrews nine twenty seven, it was appointed unto man. Wants to die, and after this, the judgment. And so, uh, that that religion never really made sense to me. And it it highlights a very important principle about trying to determine if the religion that you follow is valid or not. And if they write a New York Times article that says your leaders have ju- have gone 180 degrees, and they don't cite any reference to scripture, yeah. you're probably in the wrong seat. Yeah, if they can just arbitrarily just, make such rules. Because I mean, they were already made, that just shows they made them up to start with. Yeah. And they're going to make them up and change them. Yeah. I mean, Kyle, it's pretty clear. I mean, you, you, they're just, that's man-made. All the way around. It's just, yeah, it, which we see that over and over again. We see where uh, man-made uh, bodies of faith change with wherever the wind blows. So wherever the wind blows. So it's. They're not grounded in truth. If they're not grounded in truth, of course they're going to be blown all over the place. Yeah. yeah. So. I know when I was a kid, this is completely not the same thing, but, but when I was a kid, we had neighbors who were Catholics, very strong, devout Catholics. Uh, they, their family, the kids in their family were almost exactly the same age as the kids in my family, and we, we played together endlessly. We were best friends. So we, we, we sort of had some experience with the, practice of Catholics, and they they were very, I mean, very much determined, you can't eat red meat on Friday. Those, the Catholics were famous for eating fish on Friday. The restaurants re- still have the fish fries on Friday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I remember one time, they were all in a tizzy because they had eaten some pork and beans without realizing there's pork and pork and beans. <laughs> and read the label. <laughs> yeah. and, and, These uh, aren't beans. <laughs> These are pork and Well, where did that go? But, but they changed that rule. I mean, they, they lived by it religiously. 180 degrees. And then they just said, oh, well, we don't have to do that anymore. The pork tastes so good, isn't it? The pork and beans taste so good. We need to rethink this here. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Not to make fun. I mean, they were ultimately sincere about that. But, I mean, how, how do you have a religion wherein men can arbitrarily change the rules. Uh, that shows you the folly here, yeah. but, and so we've got to make sure that we're not guilty of that as well. Yeah. Rick in the chat room references Ezekiel 47, verse 12, And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaf shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. Yeah. 
It's obvious from this that God recognized and sanctioned the use of medicine. Good. Thank you, Rick. Very, very good. I didn't, I didn't have that uh, a note. That's a good passage. I need to add that to my notes. Ezekiel 47.12. For those of you who are listening, Rick has found a good one there that actually mentions the use of certain plant-based medicinal aids. And uh, Dwight and Michelle submitted this. They, he, they said, we see the Samaritan rendering help to someone who was robbed and hurt along the road in Luke 12, uh, 10, verses 30 through 35. Now, notice what the Samaritan did. And again, the Samaritan is praised for his compassion on his fellow man and what he did. Verse 34, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and setting him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. That's some first aid principles there that jesus endorses that is the idea of pouring oil and wine yeah. to help sanitize the wounds and then in the in the next verse he, he on the morrow when he departed the inn he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him take care of him yeah and what thou spendest more when i come again i will repay thee no in other words t- take care of him what do you mean Provide medical assistance, yep. Yep. right? Yep. So there, there, there's a the oil and the wine constitute medicine, and the innkeeper acting as a medical aid or a physician yep. toward this guy's injuries. Yep. And so I think the parable of Good Samaritan is a good one. Uh, you, you, you have referenced several times already Luke five thirty one and thirty two. Those who are sick need a physician, and might just mention that the parallel in Mark is Mark two seventeen. Uh, where that same statement of Jesus is referenced. And, and again, I think that's a great one to prove that Jesus saw the need and advantage of mm-hmm. seeking a physician's help. And there's a good, there's a good uh, statement in uh, I'll add this one to the one that Rick mentioned. Here's an Old Testament expression. Jeremiah 8, verse 22. Jeremiah 8, 22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Again, a, figurative a, language, but but a presumption the, that you, you, again a, a figurative point parallel yeah. would have to have a literal basis on which to draw yep. the the conclusion. Yep. Okay. So again, so c- kind of summarizing, there's no condemnation. It's just it's not going to be possible to search through the Bible and find a place where. There's a condemnation of medicine or doctors. I can't find it, but we got to we got to show some positive authority, uh, and we do so by the way we've described the law of Moses. Certainly incorporated principles of conduct designed to protect health. Bible mentions various products used for medicinal purposes. The the use of medicine physician is in favorable figures to use favorably to figure eight, uh, to illustrate spiritual truths i like what Dwight and michelle mentioned the parable of the good samaritan i think that's i mean that's that's that is a great one and then the the other statement luke the beloved physician uh a statement made well after he'd become a christian he was still a physician still a beloved physician I think all of that leads to this positive conclusion. I want to introduce one more verse, and then we're going to talk, have to talk about it more when we come back from the break. Uh, in First uh, Timothy 5, verse 23, sadly, this is a verse that we, we talk about most often when we're having to deal with the question of drinking alcohol. You know, and And, and some people want to throw up First Timothy five verse twenty three: Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and for thine oft infirmities. I, I, it befuddles me how people could use that as justification for social drinking. It, it, I mean, that's that's not that's not in that at all. Not, not even not close. At not at all. Uh, but what it does point out is the use of substances for medicinal benefit. So that would go to our point that we've been making already. The Bible doesn't condemn that. It actually speaks favorably to that. But that leads us to a discussion about what about taking substances that are potentially addictive? Uh, Must they be avoided categorically? Uh, Or can they be taken without any condition, or is there some middle ground? 
Along those lines, a guest in the chat room has said, what about mind-altering psychological prescription drugs? That's what I struggle with. And yeah. that's, and th- that's becoming more prevalent as the, the painkillers get more and more potent. Yeah. Uh, what, what about that? And, the, and that gets into the addictive part of it yeah. as well. So let's talk about that when we get back. We'll get this week's bullet point and get your thoughts on the other side. If you've got co- thoughts about uh, the comment submitted by guests there, Share that in the chat room as well. We'll get to your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call He's... in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. His real name was Josie's, but because he was such a great encouragement to those around him, he was given the name Barnabas. It means literally the son of consolation or son of encouragement. That's in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. What a great thing. Can you imagine having such a positive reputation that others actually give you a nickname based upon it? There are lots of ways to encourage one another, and we ought to be looking for opportunities to do so. In fact, if we don't make a conscious effort to encourage others, we may very well become a discouragement. One of the more obvious ways that we encourage each other is by worshiping together. Quote, and let us consider one another to provoke into love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Do you see it? By being together in the assemblies, we have a chance to, quote, provoke unto love and good works, and to, quote, exhort one another. If the attendance slips because of our neglect, then we have actually become discouragers rather than encouragers. Some do this without even thinking about it. They make plans to be out of town regularly, or they allow minor excuses to become a reason to miss the assemblies. Others let mild aches and pains keep them away. Clearly, you can't be an encouragement if you aren't present. We hope everyone will think about the important work of encouraging their fellow Christians by faithful attendance and by every other acceptable means. Who knows? We may have to think up a nickname for you. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and on YouTube, Kyle. At yeah. College View live streams. College yeah, View live stream. Yeah, some good playlists on there. We're doing, the, of course, we're starting our Book of Acts and uh, yeah, our personal Godliness series on uh, Sunday morning. So, which yeah, you can watch that live and yeah, just yep, all, all right. kinds of stuff. Watch it live. Watch it in the recording. Yeah. You trim it down just for the sermons after the fact, so you get right yeah. down to the heart of the matter. If you want some some preaching there, uh, so check it out. I think uh, there are still places there. there in fact, I know, I don't just think, but I know there are places that still have very limited assemblies. I think there are some places that are not having in-person assemblies at all yet. Uh, but if, if where you are has limited uh, uh, assembly time and you're looking for some additional resource, please use us. Uh, Kyle, Kyle's got the... The College View live stream has a separate channel, so go to College View live stream, and you can see our Sunday morning and Wednesday night Bible classes and our Sunday morning Sunday night sermons. And so there's four hours for you there if you need some additional resource. That's pretty good. That's, that's that'll, that'll fill some of that void. But maybe I'm driving and I don't want to watch, or you know, maybe you know, maybe you just you want to just listen. The podcast is out there as well. You can find that at our website. So yeah. it comes right to your phone automatically. So you, you, there's a podcast of the Virgin Bible Study, and there's a podcast uh, of a sermons. sermon. Yeah. One, just, one, just, week. Once, one sermon every once, week. One, one, one. You, usually the Sunday morning sermon, not always, but usually the Sunday right, morning Okay. All right. Uh, oh, and Dwight and Michelle sign in and say the Wednesday night classes are really good. They enjoy you and appreciate you. your Bible class. Thank you. Kyle, thank you for getting it out so Dwight and Michelle can participate. All right. Okay. Now. Oh, so are all the others. They're not. They're not down in your Sunday morning sermon. They like that. Oh, but okay. they do like the. They especially <laughs> okay. like the Wednesday night class. Yeah. All right. Um, so um, we've had the question before the break about what about potentially addictive drugs, and um, well, um, let's see. Oh, well, it, some other questions in here. Uh, the guest was referring to antidepressants so and when prescriptions said- that change your mental process or uh, processes. Uh, and 826. Uh, so that, when okay. he was talking about psychological prescription drugs, he, he clarifies 
talking about antidepressants that change your mental processes. Well, and also prescriptions that would uh, as well. So some of these uh, post, post-surgical post narcotic narcotics. drugs, uh, which parallel wine for the stomach's sake, used appropriately when needed. That's, I think we, that, that's what we want to investigate there. Okay. Yeah, good, good, good. Here's what Rick said, Matthew 27, verse 34. They gave him wine or vinegar and to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. How would you answer someone who brings this passage up to say we should not take medicine since Jesus would not take this on the cross? Okay, I think that's a fair question, Rick. And I've actually been asked that question before. In other words, in other words the argument is that the vinegar, which was a really a cheap, Wine, basically, that was referred to as vinegar. It's what it's what the Roman soldiers often drank because they could get they could get intoxicated on it. But it was a very poor quality. It it, it was so bad and poor you wouldn't even call it really wine. It was, but it was it had that sort of numbing capacity. The the vinegar mingled with gall. So <clears throat> the argument is made that. This is something that the Roman soldiers who were in charge of the crucifixion would offer, not just to Jesus, but to crucifixion victims in general, to sort of dull the pain before they died, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I think, I, I think it's a good question to bring up, but I don't think it's applicable to our question because you got to take into the context the circumstances what I've actually I've actually had people try to use that because Jesus did accept one other substance while he was on the cross. And then here at the end, he refused this. What Jesus did on the cross is not typical. You wouldn't you wouldn't say, well, he 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 refused medicine in that extreme circumstance. And therefore, we should refuse medicine in all circumstance. I, I, I don't think you can I don't think you can expand the. The context and the environment of that situation and make it back, applicable to everyday life. Back it up. Jesus was in a court. He didn't open his mouth. Is it wrong to defend yourself if you're yeah, in a court good, on good trial? Point. Like a sheep done before shears, no, he, yeah. he opened not his mouth. Yep. So if you were charged, if you were falsely charged in a court of law, does Jesus' conduct there say that you should not even try to make a defense? Right. No, uh, and, and so I don't. I, I think the context of his suffering and sacrificial death—that's what it's about. He he intended to die. He intended the death process that was being imposed on him. It wasn't. It wasn't suicide. Obviously, we're going to talk about suicide. He wasn't committing suicide, but at the same time, he was allowing himself to be sacrificed for the sins of all mankind. And and that was a circumstance unique to what he was doing. Nobody else has ever or ever will do what Jesus was doing there. And I, I just don't think you can expand that context beyond that consideration. And he wasn't, I, I, you know, I look at it as his love for, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to take the easy way out. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't going to accept that. That would have, he's, it was, it was terrible and he was going to go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, a little bit of word study here, Jacob. Uh, oh, the guest says, I think Christ refused it because he was there to accept all of our pain and sin. If he was numb, it wouldn't be final. Yeah, but, I, I would look at it that way, although I don't know if I could prove that from Scripture. But that seems to be what's t- taking place there. I mean, yeah. just that's what I'm referring to when I say contextually in the suffering that he was engaged. It was for a purpose. Yeah, yep. yeah okay. I, I think that I, I would agree with that. Okay. Um Anything else we got there? Well, Dwight and Michelle say when parents use drugs to control their kids versus discipline, that's not right. Good point. I think I would agree with that. Okay. Um, Uh, Okay. Guest 826 says post-narcotic drugs parallel wine for thy stomach's sake, used appropriately appropriately when and as needed. In other words, okay, so he's saying post-surgical narcotic drugs. In other words, I've had, they cut me wide open and I'm hurting tonight. Can I take some narcotic drug for the pain, post-surgical pain? Now, I, this is the same. This is the same guy who, uh, same guest who, who was saying, "What about psychological, mind-altering, antidepressant drugs?" He, he said, "He's saying, if I understand right, and I think I do, he sees a distinction between some kind of drugs and others. In other words, when we're talking about drugs, we." Can we just throw a blanket over all drugs and say 
all are okay or or do we need to be more specific and say some should be avoided and others can be used well that's interesting let's let's do a little background talk okay. first okay the greek word pharmakia that's in that's in galatians 5 verse 20 when paul lists the works of the flesh galatians 5 verse 19 now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, witchcraft, uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. The word, uh, that's a long list, obviously, and a lot can be said about all those words, but the one we pick out is the word, one that's translated in the King James Version as witchcraft. That comes from the Greek word pharmakia. Well, I mean, even for those of us who don't know a lot about the Greek language, I can see something in that word, pharmakia, P-H-A-R-M-E-K-I-A. Uh, pharmakia, that's, that sounds a lot like pharmacy, pharmaceutical. Uh, it, it comes from the Greek word pharmakon, and that original term had to do with medicine like ointment, which might be used for good or maybe for evil. Uh, if administered as a poison but it but it was a word that had the use had connection with medicine with the passing of time it came to be associated with pagan ceremonies this author says sometimes in connection with the use of drugs what paul is condemning in galatians 5 as a work of the flesh is not the legitimate use of drugs for medicinal purposes rather it was the magical drug-induced spells interwoven in pagan practices and so you know if someone says where's it where's it wrong to use heroin or cocaine where does the bible say you can't use heroin you can't take cocaine well we go to this passage pharmakia it's again you need to know a little bit about the greek origin of the word there because just reading witchcraft you wouldn't make that connection but the word actually is a word that denotes the the use of drugs to induce spells, to alter the mind, to affect the consciousness. That's what Paul was condemning. Uh, And so it's not a condemnation of all medicines, but it is a condemnation. And this may go to the point that our our chat room poster was talking about, mind-altering, psychotic drugs, that change the thinking processes. You know, I think we got to be somewhat careful about that. But even at that, I would not be, I'd be careful about a blanket condemnation because, you know, some people with legitimate psychological disorders, you know, schizophrenia, for instance, you know, they may need some narcotic or psychological drug to get the chemicals balanced get the chemicals balanced back in their mind i think i think we've got to be a little bit careful about issuing blanket statements okay all right so you've addressed that one uh but we haven't gotten to the one that you published well that is the one about let's but let's let's talk just a little bit more about the the idea of addictive drugs yeah that's what i'm saying we we talked about these psychological mind-altering drugs but what about the addiction part now well I, uh, let's go back to that First Timothy five twenty three. Drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and, thy, and thy, thine off infirmities. Alcohol is potentially addictive. Lots of people get addicted to alcohol. That's that's a true point. And and so Paul told Timothy to use it as a medicine. Obviously, Timothy was going to have to be careful not to become a drunk, not to become addicted to it. But he could use it as medicine. Well, that's what Eric in the chat room says. He references 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by yeah, anything. Exactly. Enslavement is addiction. Right? He says mind-altering drugs and many other things like prescription drugs can be helpful, but we can't cross over to addiction where we become enslaved to them. Yeah. I think Eric's on the right point. I think that's right, Eric. I think you got it there. Okay. Um, all right. Um there have been a lot, of ch- a lot of chatter there in the chat room. Did I guess we catch says, that's the line I struggle with is where do you, where does it get to be an addiction, I guess. Is, or, you know, how do you know when you're addicted to, to it and when you're not? Yeah. And so, well, I think that's that, that may be more challenging. Um, yeah. You know, 
So here, here's a person who is dealing with end of life kind of circumstances. Kyle, you, you, you deal with that some in your, in your work. And, and so you've got this patient who's, who's gravely, very likely terminally ill. And they, they have been using this particular drug long enough that they, they have developed a dependence on it. Would we, would we necessarily say that in every case, a drug dependency is condemned in the Bible? I don't know if I would even go there. Uh, that, because that's not, that's not a voluntary, voluntary choice to, misuse drugs but those are still being used for medicinal benefit the cal any thoughts on that uh, which you know as of late which i've you know i've you know, been a nurse for 15 years so i've and especially in long-term care so i've seen uh end of life at many different phases but a lot of times which i don't necessarily see drug addiction necessarily at that phase sometimes they're just there are certain high potency medications of uh, that's fairly concentrated that which death is quite painful and most times if it's a if it's an elderly person who's going through whatever it's just the very end of life can be very painful but thing is it's we have medications for that but it is for pain it is not necessarily to get them uh, so it's still it's, for a medicinal benefit yeah, in other words it's not like and it's not it's, it's not like i'm addicted to it because i like the high that i get no. and 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 i want that but, I, I i want that uh fleshly gratification of the of the high associated with this usually by the time the high potency medication comes in they really are not even able to it's we're looking for outward signs of pain not necessarily yeah. they're not complaining of pain necessarily but we can see that they are in pain yeah so it's just and so the people the are not ta- and so in the, in those instances the people are not taking it as I said in a voluntary way for for some yeah. kind of artificial recreational, no. recreational high it's, it's still I a mean, medicinal I have benefit. Had residents who have uh, obviously have a pain medication issue that they're because but doctors are becoming more that's the thing with physicians are becoming more strict on what medicines they prescribe the length of the prescriptions and which most of your Primary care physicians, a lot are not prescribing pain medicines anymore, the, yeah. high, the high potency kind. So, yeah. And that's a good thing. Though. Yeah. So, yeah. Good, good comments in the chat room. Guest says, as Christians, we need to be careful. Many of the modern psychology prescriptions also gar- almost guarantee addiction. They require six weeks to determine if they are effective and have to wean off of them. So yeah. uh, some things to think about for sure there. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think this guest uh, is, is suggesting just because a doctor says to take something doesn't necessarily mean you ought to. Now, maybe you should, but we got we 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 can't just assume. Oh, the doctor says it's okay, it's okay, you know. Because I've known of instances where doctors had people on addictive drugs unnecessarily, yep. uh, and and some doctors just. I mean, they write prescriptions at the drop of a hat. So, as this as this poster in the guest in the chat room suggests, it's something to be a little bit careful about. Okay, we got to get moving here. Uh, Mohan says, "I would say maybe it would be wrong to take potentially addictive drugs. For example, I use prescription sleep aid daily that helps me sleep, and this sleep aid has no side effects, and doctors have indicated it won't pose any health problems. However, some psychiatric." Drugs cause serious side effects for some people, and they should be researched carefully before taking them for long periods, I believe. Yeah. Dwight and Michelle said, we have the example, once again, of Paul telling Timothy to take a little wine in First Timothy 5.23. We need to be careful to take any prescribed medicines according to the doctor's orders. We can become dependent on some medications if we do not follow the instructions of our doctor. I would also add that if you had a problem in the past with certain meds, you should be cautious of taking them in the future because of your past history with them. Yeah, and I know that Dwight and his wife are in the medical field also, and so they see that a little more closely than uh, others. Kent says, uh, no, it's not if they're properly controlled. Case in point, when one undergoes a surgical procedure, to, it is proper to make adequate use of anesthesia or post-operative drugs to relieve pain. On the other hand, great care needs to be exercised not to become addicted to such. Addiction to such would definitely be sinful. Okay. All right. Thank you, Kent. Uh, should we take a, so if it's, uh, I, I guess maybe I'm trying to kind of put this together in my mind in a way, how to express it. If, if it ceases to be for a direct medical necessity, in other words, you know, a, a person might be dependent upon a drug because there's an ongoing medical necessity and they're dependent upon this 
on this treatment, if it ceases to be that I'm taking this for a direct medical necessity, then that's a, a kind of a addiction or being brought under the power of something like Eric mentioned in his chat that needs to be avoided. Okay. Um, all right. We need to get a break, and uh, we'll quickly go to the break because we've got a lot to talk about. Or should we skip? What do you want to do? Let's grab the last break. We're going to quickly. I think we can cover what about doctor-assisted suicide and then the question of the hour. You're mighty ambitious. I think we're going to get a lot of comments on that last one. We're going to go fast right okay. after this. Okay. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Misconception number 56. The folks at College View Church of Christ aren't led by the spirit they're afraid of him. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is, there is not a single thing we do at the College of Church of Christ without first getting the Holy Spirit's approval. Granted, we don't have healing crusades, miracle ministries, or slayings in the Spirit, but we refuse to do anything without Holy Ghost guidance. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A new survey finds that U.S. adults overwhelmingly say houses of worship should be required to follow the same rules about social distancing and large gatherings as other organizations or businesses in their local area. About 8 in 10 Americans, that's 79%, take this position. Four times the share of those who think houses of worship should be allowed more flexibility than other kinds of establishments when it comes to rules about social distancing. On this question, Americans seem to align with two recent Supreme Court orders which rejected lawsuits claiming that state restrictions on worship violated the First Amendment's guarantee of religious freedoms. That information is via Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in Matthew 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, and we want to hear your comments quickly as we go to the top of the hour. Number four. All right. What about, what's the proper way to view doctor-assisted suicide? We mentioned that's becoming a more and more practiced thing. Even even there are laws being passed to to. Legalize it. Uh, Where's it? Where is that? I had Oregon for sure. I Oregon know, has, has. I know for sure. In fact, yeah. I've got an article here uh, that says, and I'm not sure what the date on this article was, but at that time when this article was written, it says Oregon was the only state in the union that allowed doctor-assisted suicide. Okay. Actually, the Hippocratic oath that doctors are supposed to take. Hippocrates, uh, a Greek physician who lived what? 400 years before Christ, I'm like, wait, way back when. And he, he had certain codes of conduct for those who would be physicians. And this is a quote from the Hippocratic Oath. I will give no deadly medicine to anyone if asked, nor suggest any such counsel. So a doctor, a doctor, I think all doctors, even to this day, still take the Hippocratic Oath. They'd be violating their own oath if they, they did that. Uh, but quickly... Suicides, there were a number of people who committed suicide in the Bible. Doctor assisted or not, it's still suicide, yeah. right? And uh, I had this list, and it may, may not be a complete list. Abimelech, Judges 9, Samson, Judges 16, Saul, 1 Samuel 31, Saul's armor bearer, 1 Samuel 31, Ahithophel, 2 Samuel 17, Zimri, 1 Kings 16, and Judas Iscariot, Matthew 27. In every instance, it's not it's not spoken of in a favorable way. Suicide is still the taking of life, and it's specifically forbidden uh, in Romans 13:9. Thou shalt not kill, which literally is thou shalt not commit murder. Suicide is self-murder. It's the taking of life, uh, and it's it's condemned. Uh, now, real quickly, so everybody commits suicide automatically going straight to hell because their last act in their physical life was to commit a sin. I, I want to be careful about that, too. I don't think you can cross that line because very often people who commit suicide are not in the right thinking mind. And so that their, their accountability at that point when they committed suicide is a question we'll never be able to answer, but God can answer. God knows whether they acted accountably or not. We'll just leave that to God. 
you read Kent's answer, all suicide is sinful, including doctor-assisted suicide. It may be the case in a few situations that some who engage in, in the act of suicide have lost their accountability before God. Only God knows who would fit in such a category. We certainly need to leave such situations to the judgment of God. However, as a rule, not considering some exceptions, suicide will be murder and therefore sinful. Yeah. Uh, Dwight and Michelle said any suicide is sin. Our, doc- our doctor is not the one to- who gave us life. He has not the right to take it. Even with our consent, we have no right to ask him to help us take our own life. And, he, yes. and they reference Romans 20, Revelation 21, verse 8, that says murderers will have their part in the lake which, of fire which burns uh, with fire and brimstone. Mohan says killing is wrong, so no one should take part in doctor-assisted suicide. Okay. Number five, the one I think, oh, uh, Eric says assisted suicide, assisted death is legal in Washington, D.C., California, Colorado, Oregon, Vermont, Maine, New Jersey, oh, Hawaii, and Washington. It is spreading. There you go. So this this article I was looking at was an old one, and it has really expanded since mm. that was written. Boy, okay. all right, thanks, Eric. Uh, okay. Number now five. here's the last question. You know, I know they they say when you're a lawyer in trial you should never bring up a question. No, don't ask a person a question that you don't know how he's going to answer that yeah, question. Uh, you might get in trouble because he may say exactly what you don't want him to say. And so it may be the same on the virtual Bible study. Don't ask a question that you don't have a good answer for. If you haven't answered the question, we've got a few minutes. Sign in the chat room here. So what, what about, is it sinful for a man to be attended by a female doctor or nurse and vice versa? Is it sinful for a woman to be attended by a male doctor or nurse? I, I, that is a tough question uh, in, in my mind, and, I know, and I've never felt really super comfortable uh, about that. Here's what uh, Mohan says. I don't see anything wrong, and we possibly can be bordering along the lines of legalism if we dictate what gender a person should have for a doctor. I guess Mohan's saying it would be legalism if you're making up the rules, if you're dictating something that you don't have scripture on. So you have some scriptural ideas and principles about. Yeah. That's I, like what, I, th- I like what Dwight sent in in his email. He mentions Matthew 25, beginning verse 35. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me, and I was naked, and you clothed me. Uh, the righteous will say, when, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? Or when did we see you a stranger or taken naked and clothed you? Uh, he says, this is a note from Michelle. The verse says that the righteous answered him, not just men or women. I've worked in my healthcare, uh, in healthcare all my adult life and have literally gave someone food, water, and dressed them as well as sit with a dying patient. We all have opportunities in some all way for hospitality. So, so <clears throat> I know uh, Michelle uh, uh, is in healthcare. Uh, our, our Kyle is in healthcare and and engaged in those kind of things. Uh, I, I wonder. Uh, I've been kind of racking my brain trying to come up with something. The and and I don't. This is probably not a very good one. Mark sixteen. When Jesus had been buried, now obviously it was a dead body, but Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother, James and Salome brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him in the grave. You know, in other words, that's my point is in these kind of circumstances, this is not normal. This is what this is not what you would normally do. Uh, uh, You know, if 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 a male doctor examines a female patient. That's those are unique circumstances. That's not normal everyday practice. You know, if it was normal everyday practice, we'd say he's a pervert and a sex offender. Right. So, uh, again, I think the circumstance and I'm not I'm not trying to teach situation ethics here either, but I am saying the context of the action has to be taken into consideration. If it's lust and lasciviousness at any point, even if it's a doctor and he's and he's consumed with lustful, lascivious thoughts as he's examining his patient, then that's a sin. Yeah, yeah. So so there there's there, there can be sin associated with it, but I don't know that the that, that we can make a blanket statement and say all is sin. Lou's in the chat room, he says I prefer having the best person for the job when it comes to my health, regardless of gender. And Kent says it's not necessarily wrong. However, if one has a problem in not controlling lustful thoughts and passionate desires, such should become sinful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd be glad for those who are listening. And maybe if, if you're listening uh, in an archive uh, on the podcast or off of our website and you come to this question we're discussing here, send us an email. We Help may, us we, out. We may revisit this in the future because yeah. uh, I, I'm not totally comfortable with the answer. I just not. Kyle, what about you? Well, I mean, if you have a 
if you have a doctor and if you're a male and you have a female doctor or if it's a female nurse, but I think uh, if you find yourself having, you know, like we said, lustful thoughts, I think we need to remove yourself from that situation. Absolutely. That, that's that, that's uh, a given right there, don't so, you think? I mean, yeah. it is. It's, it's, uh, but especially as a nurse, and I, I've, obviously I work with uh, more elderly patients, but I, uh, you know, that I'm caring for them. I'm not, there's is purely a medical scenario so it's and if uh, even myself or for any, any other nurse who's in a caring for a patient of opposite sex i think if it's ever something ever comes up that you feel convicted about you need to you need to make sure that you deal with that that's not something that's keep it purely medical there's nothing you know sexual or physical about anything so yeah yeah, yeah i think that's right thank you kyle uh, thanks for helping us, Kyle, tonight. Glad to be with you. Any other thoughts, Dad? No, I think it's, a, it's a, I th- again, I think these are maybe some questions that we take for granted and never really stop us. There's, there's some biblical considerations to, to look at. All right. Well, Dad, thanks for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed being with you as well. And the other line, hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.